welcome to the STR Data Lab. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the STR Data Lab. I'm Jamie Lane, Chief Economist at AirDNA, and I'm joined again by my co-host, friend and colleague, Perley Walls. Perley, thanks again for joining. Thanks for having me, Jamie. It's always a pleasure. But I am noticing something that this is a bit late for our monthly review. What's been going on? Yeah, we're recording on September 26th. We've been having a lot of travel lately, haven't we? I, I, For those watching the video can see that you're in a new location, can see that I'm in a different location. Uh, so yeah, we were in Barcelona, uh, the two of us, along with the rest of the AirDNA executive team, sort of planning for the quarter and year ahead, uh, which definitely uh, set us back a bit. I know <laughs> the jet lag getting out there and getting back for a one-week trip was was rough, though the kids were excited to see me. I'm glad I sort of forced the issue getting back <laughs> on Friday. <laughs> and and then had to leave again. On until I had to leave again. And then you took some uh, gallivanting around Europe, didn't you? I did. I did. It was my husband's 40th birthday. So I took him to a little event you may know as Oktoberfest, which has always been on his bucket list. So it was a, it was a good weekend hopping around, but I'm sad that we didn't get a chance to record this last week when we were here together. And you brought all of the equipment with you. <laughs> I did. It was a sad realization as I was packing back up for the trip home that none of it got used. No, sorry. Oktoberfest had to take precedent. <laughs> that was actually, uh, Oktoberfest was actually one of the trends we were talking about in our European review this past month. And funny that you guys were there because it was definitely a trend of sort of global travelers coming back and making their annual pilgrimage back out to uh, Oktoberfest. It was a big year. Did it feel busy out there? It was busy. And like a, um, a good old person that I am, you know, we went in the afternoon and only stayed a few hours. That was plenty. We drank, you know, lots of delicious German beer. But definitely when all of the table dancing and, you know, there was just no room to move at all by 8 p.m. We were like, all right, this is our signal. <laughs> <It's bad." laughs> um, but it was. It was a really lovely crowd. I think they do an amazing crowd control setup around the entire festival. It's huge, just tens of thousands of people and carnival rides and delicious food. And, and you know, it's not just about the beer is it was really lovely to see so many people celebrating, you know, Bavarian culture together. And you could definitely see the impact on the neighborhoods surrounding mm -hmm. because you you saw plenty of people on trains, you know, coming from far away to get to the festival. But you also saw a lot of people coming from the neighborhoods surrounding, just walking around. And so I was very curious to dig into some of the some of the data. So before we get to the U.S. review, what what did you notice? Yeah, and and we we are tracking the event closely. It is one of the the bigger sort of demand events, sort of fun to track on sort of how it's pacing versus prior years. Demand up for Oktoberfest was up over thirty percent compared to last year, uh, so pretty uh, steep increase there. And then ADRs were up twenty percent. So if you're a host 
you're you're seeing 50 60 percent increase in revenue for the same sort of three week period and that's the other thing it's not it's not just one week it, it is three full weeks of fun and drive significant revenue for hosts in that market uh, given the premium that you can get during the event and maybe a reason why people were sort of walking in from the surrounding neighborhoods because uh, it's it's not not an event that's easy to get find lodging or inexpensive lodging for. That's true. Yeah. Prices prices were pretty high. We could not find an Airbnb to stay in. We ended up staying in a hotel, which was beautiful. But I would I've, I just I love that experience of staying with somebody local and being able to say, like, you know, where should we go? Which tent should we go to first? Or do we have to have the rotisserie chicken or should we really just stick to the bratwurst? And you know, all the all the fun details that you just don't get when you're in a big old building. And dating myself a bit, uh, my last time Oktoberfest, I was uh, stayed with someone through couch surfing. So many, many moons ago. Well, so we covered where I am. I'm in Barcelona uh, for this week still to spend mm-hmm. some time with my team here. But where are you? So I am currently sitting in the Venetian in Las Vegas. Uh, it is actually a pretty nice hotel. Um, was not excited that the Starbucks didn't open until 6 a.m. this morning, given that it was still on. I'm actually not sure what time zone I'm on, uh, yeah. but I was I was up at four this morning, asleep by seven. So r- really doing Las Vegas l- right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I hear. Those are the prime times to be asleep in Vegas. <laughs> uh, but I'm here for um, Expedia's Explore Fest. Uh, so uh, going up on stage later today with uh, John James, the head of Verbo, to talk about trends in supply and demand in the short-term rental industry and vacation rentals. So they invited me out here for a panel, and it's sort of right up my alley. Yes, that does sound, I was about to say, that sounds right up your alley. I'm excited to hear it. Very cool. Well, should we get to the August review? I think we have delayed long enough. Yeah. So it's been out a couple weeks now. In August, I'm still dead in the middle of summer travel season in the U.S. I'm peak season in Europe, but we saw another month of declines. So Revpar declined by 4%. Occupancy was 4.5%, 4.2% lower, dropped to 60%. And sort of worrying, I guess I would say is the word for me, is this is the first time since I think... June of 2020 uh, or July of 2020, that we have been below 2019 levels of occupancy. Wow. You've talked a lot about 2019 levels and how that compares today and what we should be expecting and the, the bump that we all saw from the pandemic. So what does this mean for folks moving forward that now we can't say but we're still above 2019 levels. Yeah. And and not to be moving the goalposts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> can we use that reference? There was some challenging sort of data or events that happened in August. Most sort of in, in the headlines was the fires in Maui, where we just saw devastation in, in terms of both the impact on lives and real estate. And then we saw a hurricane come through in Florida, which... Well, didn't have, I would say, major uh, direct impact. I mean, there was destruction, there was impact on the market, but it did cause people to sort of cancel, not book last minute, uh, divert vacations, uh, and definitely had disruption there. So if you removed 
uh, the data for Hawaii and Florida from the data, the U.S. was still above 2019 levels. So a little, bit of, little. a little bit of maneuvering there and we were able to uh, stay above. And then sort of the other and playing into that. So we saw demand nights, sort of um, total number of nights stayed in the industry was up uh, 7.5% year over year. So last year was a record. We still hit another record in August, but the growth rate is slowing pretty substantially. Uh, where we were at at nine and a half percent in July in terms of growth, and again, if you remove out Hawaii and Florida, we still saw roughly nine percent growth. Uh, so I'm not too worried right now on the pace of growth. And then if you look out uh, even further into fall, so looking at September, November, December, we're pacing up roughly ten percent. We saw eight percent increase in nights booked. Uh, so people are still booking ahead for fall travel. Uh, there's really no weakness or any noticeable weakness in terms of forward bookings or our expectations for the rest of the year. Okay. So we're just seeing a bit of the maybe stabilization, normalization of our demand growth. I'm, I'm wondering how much of that are you thinking is from people booking travel in Europe and also from big old two-part question here, from the lack of travel visitation that we're seeing from Europe and Asia. Yeah. And it's something that we've talked about extensively in our Outlook reports of the expectation that demand growth would begin accelerating in the major urban metros. It was definitely a forecast for 2023 that we'd see urban areas be some of the fastest growing. And in August, urban areas were the slowest growing. <laughs> so there's a, a few different factors sort of impacting that. One is the real lack of recovery in international inbound to the U.S. Uh, when international travelers come to the U.S., they're primarily staying in these large cities, so New York, San Francisco, Boston, Chicago. Those are the type of destinations that international travelers come to, and they want to go see the Statue of Liberty. They want to take the architecture tour in, in Chicago. So uh, those that demand just isn't yet coming back. And sort of the strong dollar is still a factor there. Because broadly, international demand is back. It's just people are choosing not to come to the U.S. So definitely a, a problem and a reason for our industry to support sort of Brand USA and the efforts that they do to market our country to international travelers. And AirDNA is definitely a partner with Brand USA and in helping them to understand what's happening and uh, what they can do to further support the short-term rental industry in addition to other forms of lodging. The other sort of factor that's impacting urban markets is regulation. And it's something that we can't ignore. It's all over the headlines. It's that sort of thing when I uh, get into a taxi and tell the taxi dri- taxi driver asks what I do and I tell them, uh, oh, regulation must really be impacting your industry. And where we're not seeing declines in supply across the U.S. and maybe isolated cities like New York after the regulation goes into place, uh, but I do think it's impacting marginally the, the pace of growth and one of the reasons why and urban demand's only going up 5%, while the rest of the country is going up 7 plus. 
Yeah, I'm I'm very interested in the role that regulations will play both in large urban areas, places like New York City that are just saying like zero for short-term rentals and other places that are being much more maybe thoughtful, selective about creating zones for short-term rentals and allowing it here or things like that. So I'm very curious to see how that's all going to play out. And I'm curious with New York City in particular, what is the future of lodging for this gigantic city that attracts tourists from all over the world? Yeah, we are going to see more private rooms get uh, licensed, but there's no getting around the fact. So short-term rental listings, so those listings that are available to be booked for uh, stays 30 days or less, we saw a 77% decline in just a couple of weeks. And from when it was clear that the uh, legislation was going to go into effect and that enforcement was going to start. Subsequently, though, we saw a 58% increase in long-term listings. So it's not like all these listings on Airbnb and Verbo disappeared. Uh, they just converted from allowing short-term rentals or short-term stays to uh, longer-term stays. So stays 30 days or longer, which do not require a permit. True, but that's not really the going to help out the tourists. No, it's not. So long-term, I think and Airbnb is going to have challenge in providing lodging. Uh, we do see some commercial operators stepping in. Uh, so those, and a company like a Sonder mm-hmm. that is still essentially operating a short-term rental and it's in a multifamily building. It has a kitchen, it has a living room, it has a separate bedroom, uh, but it's zoned for a hotel. It's meeting all the requirements of a hotel building. Uh, has a license for a hotel building, but is offering a short-term rental product. That said, that is not ideal for someone like you that I just said, you want to be able to go and stay with someone that's sort of going to host you in that neighborhood, going to show you all the things to do in the city. It's not the same experience, uh, but it's going to be a partial workaround for now. And it's, it's sad to see. And I hope that level heads prevail in New York and that we can see some changes in the future on, on the laws there. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Cause I mean, having a, a property in a city that has done very thoughtful short-term regulations, I've been, been pretty happy. I think very few people who own real estate in that city have been upset. I think they all saw things as pretty reasonable, like, oh, okay, there are certain neighborhoods that we should protect for you know, just families with kids who want to be able to walk to school um, versus walk to the ski slopes. Very different use cases there. Yep. The the other thing too is we're seeing a displacement in the demand. So people are still coming to New York. They're still wanting to stay in short-term rentals. And there are areas nearby that can accommodate them. So we're seeing an uptick in demand in Newark, Jersey City uh, area. I suspect we'll see uh, increases demand in sort of nearby upper state, um, lower Hudson Valley area into uh, Long Island. Uh, So there are probably new investment opportunities coming up on from regulation and displacing travelers and areas that people can still relatively easily get into the city, but still want to be able to stay in a short term rental. And these type of areas have been popular for people a long time for maybe more inexpensive uh, lodging. 
uh, look and still looking to get into the city, uh, into New York. Uh, so I suspect we'll see some some shake up there, some obvious winners and losers. But in the end, I think and travel finds a way and people will, will figure out how to leverage short term rentals if they want to go to New York. It, it just may, may not be as convenient or as uh, cost effective in the past. And if there is any sort of pushback, it, it could end up being from travelers and, and how high hotel rates end up going. There are a limited number of hotels in New York City. Rates are already relatively high. Short-term rentals, uh, average daily rates were sort of at a significant discount uh, to the hotel ADRs and sort of 17,000 short-term rentals leaving in a market of only 120,000 hotel rooms could be a boom for sort of pricing power for hotels. And we'll see the sort of downstream implications of that as well. Interesting. So there's a lot that could potentially happen in the coming months. I think we've given people quite a few teasers, particularly on where you should be looking to invest. And um, I would be remiss if I did not mention how much fun it is to explore some of those areas in the new air DNA where you can just poke around neighborhoods uh, all over the world and, and in different little spots. So anybody looking to find that next investment has that chance now. Yeah. And um, we did do the podcast with Aaron a, a couple weeks ago on uh, sort of talking about the the new release. Uh, we have seen and heard uh, lots of feedback, uh, both positive and negative. And useful, constructive. Useful, constructive. And, and I think most importantly is, and there's further changes coming, we've already added feedback or changes to the app based on user feedback, days available back in the user cards, filters or filters based on market size and sort of the market explorer portion. So lots of more enhancements coming. And what gets me excited is how passionate our customers are and both saying what they love and saying what they don't. And I that our I know our product team, I know Aaron, if he's listening, has has really enjoyed I'm sort of interacting with with different customers. Uh, we're putting together sort of an, an advisory board of customers to sort of provide real-time feedback. And and all in all, it's, I think, a a positive thing for the company. Sort of we're continuing to move forward uh, with the app uh, with further enhancements to it. And I think the biggest feedback I've, I've heard is just how excited people are about the new price points. And yeah. <laughs> And the the fact that you can get a basic subscription for fifteen dollars a month and be able to sort of dive into any market submarket around the world has been a game changer for a lot of people that don't necessarily know the market that they're looking to invest in, don't want to co- sort of commit long term to an entire country's access or individual state access, but can sort of low commitment get access to the data that they need and um, sort of progress themselves on their short-term real investment journey. Yeah. I've been having so much fun looking at all the properties within our DNA. So I'm not having to juggle different tabs. It has made it a lot more like that Zillow experience of like, oh, let me see this one. Oh, now let me look at this one to make that whole sort of like Easter egg hunt uh, a lot more exciting for me. Well, Jamie Lane, I think we've covered most of the points uh, for our August review. We should be coming out with our September review uh, pretty shortly. So I will see you again. 
until then, I think we have some exciting new guests coming up on the podcast, uh, particularly as we head into, as you have already started, conference season. We'll be at VPCon. We'll be at VRMA. We're going to be at all kinds of things coming up this fall. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing who you get on the pod next time. Yeah, absolutely. I know we've got some exciting guests. We've got our one-year anniversary uh, sort of next week, episode 52. Excited about that. I think we'll be doing something fun for that episode. Uh, so, so please stay tuned. Sounds good. Until yeah. then, have a great time in Las Vegas. And I can't wait to hear your panel. Yeah. And safe travels back to the U.S. Really. Thanks, Jamie.